Hey Monsterinos, it's me, your horror host, Abby, and welcome to Meet My Monsters! Okay, so hey everybody. Hi, hi, hi. Um, this week we're going to be doing something relatively different to what I've ever done before um, and it's all in celebration of the spooky season that we find ourselves in now. I don't know about you guys but I'm freaking obsessed with Halloween and I'm so excited. I'm so excited for next week. I've already started you know making all of the um, the wounds and whatever the special effects things. So I'm super super stoked for Halloween. And in celebration of that, I've decided to mix things up a little bit. So this episode and the following episode are going to be two very different kind of things that we've never done on Meet My Monsters before. So I'm super stoked. But anyway, so um, this week we're going to be discussing a monster which we as a community have actually cultivated and raised from the technological beyond, if you catch what I'm saying. Uh, furthermore, we're going to be going into the effects that said monster has actually had within the real world and, you know, as such, we're going to be covering the first ever Meet My Monsters true crime story. So yay! It's like monsters meets true crime. How freaking fun is that? Um, but yeah, also guys, this episode is going to be way longer than you are used to with Meet My Monsters. So yeah, a lot of research went into this. And yeah, I'm super stoked to, you know, let you guys have a listen to what I think about this dude. So, um, as I just so aptly mentioned, today we will be handling one of the creepiest online fiends. And it's none other than our originally digital, digital like boogeyman that we've created, Slenderman. So this dude, since I first heard about him, has truly scared me <laughs> to the bone just absolutely silly and to this day i refuse to play slender the online video game i mean the online computer game just because of the thoughts of finding him like it just spooks me completely but anyways let's get into it so slender man was actually born from a photo competition which was run on a thread of something awful which is an internet forum so unlike most other monsters out there, I can actually tell you the exact date of his conception. And for anyone who doesn't know, it's the 10th of June 2009. So the competition was a Photoshop-based competition um, in which entrants had to create a paranormal image. So one forum poster, whose name is Eric Knudsen, it's K-N-U-D-S-E-N, so I've heard Knudsen or Knudsen, but anyway, so he goes by the pseudonym Victor Surge, and he came up with two black and white images of children. However, the oddity was the tall, thin, slender, faceless figure adorned in a black suit who featured in the background. And quite honestly, guys, I'm going to give it to this oak. He gave these images complete, you know, just absolute meat of the finest degree. And I mean, his images and captions were just pure pre like pedigree stuff. So I'll post the original images on my Instagram account once the pod is released, obviously. But here are the exact captions that he used beneath each of the unsettling pictures. 
So the first image, its caption is, we didn't want to go, we didn't want to kill them. But its persistence, silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. 1983, photographer known, presumed dead. So yeah, that's like the first caption, it's quite something. And the second image caption goes as follows. One of two recovered photographs from the Stirling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished, and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformity cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13th, 1986. So just based off that, one can see how this was like the perfect breeding ground for conspiracy. So needless to say, from that day forward, Slenderman like literally just thrived within the online community. So people have worked him into history by placing him into <laughs> everything from hieroglyphs. So, you know, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs to German wood carvings. Poems have been written about him, movies have been made and video games have been issued. Countless posts have been released about the Slender Man, all adding a unique twist to the monster. Basically, as a community, we have created the single most horrifying creature around. He's literally the modern-day techno boogeyman. Like, that's him, you know, completely. And I think that's why he's so terrifying, just purely based on the fact of him being incredibly and utterly vague. You know, he's this completely fictional and yet so very real character all at the same time. So um, I've read different, you know, accounts of Slenderman. He's been compared to the modern day Pied Piper because a lot of people have said, you know, instead of snatching kids, he's actually good to children. So they've compared him to the Pied Piper who takes them to a good place. But nonetheless, let's discuss talking about snatching kids and all. Let's discuss the Slenderman MO. So now that we know how Slenderman came into being, uh, we're going to talk about his looks and his M.O. a little bit. So Slender Man stands about 8 feet tall. He's incredibly slim, hence the name Slender Man, because he's slender. <laughs> I mean, he's not called like Porky Man for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's pure white. His skin is absolutely pure white. And more often than not, he is completely faceless. And I say more often than not because some things have said that he's got a mouth and whatnot. So at times, he is portrayed as having tentacles which emerge from, emerge from his back. He's always, always, always dressed in a black suit. Um, Slender Man is suggested to appear in relatively abandoned areas like fields, woods, and playgrounds. He's said to appear and to prey on children. He will abduct children and either kill them or cause them to kill on his behalf. And yeah, so <laughs> that final unsettling point takes us to the actual story of today. So now we are going to discuss Slendy in the real world. The year is 2014, and we find ourselves in Milwaukee. Wakisha is, am I saying that right? Wakisha, Wakisha? Yeah, Wakisha, I'm going to say that. Is usually an idyllic middle-class suburb, but in June that year, something very, very sinister sparked panic within the community. Furthermore, I'd say the age of the perpetrator who caused this, uh, the panic is even more alarming. 
and guys completely like when i tell you how old these kids are you're just gonna flip your lid anyways morgan geyser anissa wire and peyton leitner were classmates all best friends and all 12 years old they were 12 <laughs> so just hang on to that fact because this is just it's oh man <laughs> So yeah, as I said, that to me is just completely mind-blowing because when I was 12, you know, I was farting around wondering how to get out of school, you know. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to bunk school. I wasn't plotting a violent murder. So yeah, major spoiler alert there. Two of the three girls were planning to um, kill off their supposed best friend. So yeah, that's just terrifying. Everything about this story is just so abnormal. I just can't even make sense of it. I'm like, what? <laughs> but yes, before we get into the attack, let's delve a bit more into the backstory. So the first little kiddo we're going to look at is Morgan Geyser. And Morgan was born to Angie and Matt Geyser, was a surprise baby. However, she quickly became the apple of her mom's eye. There wasn't a minute whilst growing up that her mother didn't have a camera in her face. And I can account to this based on all of the home footage that I watched. Um, so part of my research that I used was the HBO Slenderman movie, And there's just tons of footage of Morgan as a little kid. Anyways, Morgan had a seemingly normal childhood with little cause for alarm. Unless you're a normal person. <laughs> because basically everything Morgan's mother said whilst she was growing up would have kind of unsettled me. Or alarmed me at least. So granted she wasn't killing animals. You know or rebelling at school. Or doing any of those kind of things. But some of these things should have been a warning sign. And we're going to get further into that. Later on in the story. And you'll understand why I say these things. Which are seemingly normal. Should have been a warning sign. But nonetheless. So um, when Morgan was only three years old. Morgan told her mom about ghosts. Which, which used to bite her and pull her hair. Now, whilst this may be commonplace for a child to have these sorts of fears, it's important knowledge for further down the line. So hang on to that. As I said, we're going to get into why this is important. The next little fun fact about Morgan's youth is one that kind of made me stop and think like, whoa, <laughs> maybe this kid's got something going on. I don't know. But then again, you know, I'm looking at it in retrospect and knowledge of what Morgan did. So um, perhaps to her parents, it's not as disturbing as when you know what Morgan did and then you look at it. But however, in an interview, Morgan's mom noticed um, her child's lack of empathy. So this was particularly evident in movies. When something happened to the main character of whatever movie they were watching, Morgan would show no empathy at all. So an ex example that her mom gave was when they decided to watch Bambi with Morgan for the first time. Um, now, she and her husband were worried to watch Bambi because they didn't know how Morgan would react to the scene in which Bambi's mom is shot by the hunter. However, Morgan's reaction <laughs> was not the one that her mom was expecting, like, at all. So when Bambi's mom died, Morgan said, Run, Bambi, run! Get out of there! Save yourself! with absolutely no empathy shown to the mom's death whatsoever. And this was particularly weird to me because when I was little, that scene, that scene absolutely devastated me as a child. I was like in tears and not happy and I hated all hunters. And I was just like, wee, wee. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know, like I literally bawled for hours. 
Recently, a local radio station here in South Africa played the, the audio snippet of that scene. I think it was like a few years back. But anyways, they played it to just show how graphic the audio alone is. So needless to say, that day I arrived at work with a face full of mascara lines because <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't even handle it as an adult. But anyways, so as I said previously, no obvious signs of aggression or acting out came up within the household. No, bu no abuse was present and nothing happened to Morgan that one would say, you know, like, huh, that may have pushed this kid over the edge. So on the surface, Morgan appeared to be absolutely normal. The girl believed in Santa until the age of 11. So like, you know, that's quite something. But this is what just absolutely boggles me is how do you go from believing in Santa to planning a premeditated murder of your best friend literally a year later? It doesn't make sense. So anyways, Morgan had shown Slenderman images and stories to her mom. However, her mom didn't see any harm in it and brushed it off. Um, her parents thought she couldn't possibly believe that Slenderman was real. And she proceeds to share that when she was Morgan's age, she remembers lead, um, lending Slenderman... Good Lord, let me try that again. When she was Morgan's age, she remembers lending Stephen King's It from the, the library. So she thought nothing of it. So clearly the mom was a horror junkie from a young age when she was 12 as well. And I'm sure she now wished she thought more about, you know, the Slenderman images at that, at that point now. So yeah, in a nutshell, that is Morgan Geyser. Next up, we've got Anissa Weir. Weir? Yeah, so Weir, that's how you pronounce it. Anyways, Anissa was born to Bill and Christy Weir. She, like Morgan, seemed to have a seemingly normal childhood. However, her time at school was a little more difficult. Anissa's fourth and fifth grade teacher described her as one of the biggest outliers he's, he'd ever had in his classes. Sometimes, this is, I don't get this, but anyway, sometimes she just randomly cry in class. He didn't give any kind of like backstory as to if anything provoked her or what. She just burst out in tears in the middle of class. Other times she'd visit him during lunch break and just cry about not having friends. And that's really sad. So I do feel sad for pre-murder Anissa because that does suck shame. Furthermore, it appears that she was picked on during her time at school. And listen, guys, I'm just going to like level with you. Kids can be genuinely cruel, you know, like bullies and all of that. I don't dig bullies at all. They're just little shitbags. So anyways, on top of that, um, on, to on top of the unpopularity vibes at school, Anissa's parents got divorced in 2012. So this, you know, I didn't find anything saying how Anissa reacted to the splits or whatever. But I know that that can sometimes be very stressful on a kid. I'm just putting that out there for like interest sake. So in an interview, Anissa's dad seemed like he was big on family time. So apparently at 7.30 every night, he'd request Anissa to shut off her iPad and join the family downstairs. So he claimed to be very, very close to his children and had absolutely no issues with her iPad time. He, in the interview, he said like all she did was practice her choir songs and sit playing on her iPad. So on the surface, all looks good and well. However, if you delve a little bit deeper and take a peek at Anissa's Google feed, <laughs> you'll realize that something very, very disturbing is afoot with this girl. 
So she had like typical 12-year-old girl things, such as a cute little bunny eating a raspberry, and that was very, very cute. But then she had disturbing things like several quizzes exploring whether or not you could be a psychopath and a sociopath. So why I say that's disturbing is because once again, she's 12. You know, why are you worried about being a psychopath at the age of 12? Anyways, she also had a video of how to doomsday prep. The most disturbing part about the one video in the feed is it comes from a Nat Geo TV show. And it's an interview with a doomsday prepper explaining how to kill someone with a sucker stick. And basically where to pierce the throat. And he mentions the jugular. So this kind of makes me think that the kid was getting advice on how to kill Peyton. You know, I'm just putting that out there. Um, beyond the troubling videos uh, came the comments that she was leaving. So in one video, a lady is showing off her kitten Zeus. So now Zeus is a little, he's, he's an odd cat. He's not your everyday house cat. So he's, I think he must be like some kind of um, foreign kitten. No, I don't want to say like a foreign kitten, but he looks wild. Wilder than like, you know, fluffy house cats. But anyway, so this lady is showing how she gets Zeus to hunt mice. Which is all good and well, you know, whatever, it's cool. It's all in the circle of life. You know, animals hunt to survive, that's the thing. However, Anissa's response to the video really made me chill because freaking out, she's 12 and she's saying, I love how Zeus beats the mouse to death. What, what, <laughs> what 12 year old does that? Uh, it's very dark. But anyway, so Anissa also showed her dad a picture of Slenderman. However, the picture that she showed her pops was um, Slenderman standing next to Jack Skellington. So hence the pops thinks nothing of it. And you know, to me, that is totally understandable since Jack Skellington is a huge part of pop culture. So hence what I'm saying is it's no wonder why that picture didn't make her dad think, okay, something's off about Slenderman because it just looked like a very, like a, a meeting of Slenderman and Jack Skellington. However, things get interesting if you take a look at one of uh, the Slenderman feeds Anissa had tapped into. Somewhere on the web, she had found one of Slendy's backstories. So in this particular story, it shows how Slenderman was bullied as a child. So this immediately makes um, a person realize why she connected so deeply to this internet monster, because she herself was bullied, so she could relate. So now she finds that an all-powerful, life-absorbing being was bullied as well. So Anissa actually used to lie to her friends about being popular, which also shows how the social status really mattered to her. And you know what? It really does to any preteen kid, especially little girls, like shame. Um, all you really want to do is be accepted. That's basically it. So it makes so much sense why she just like fell in love with the idea of Slenderman. But anyways, now let's get into Morgan and Anissa's relationship. Um, so I actually started with Peyton and Morgan. <laughs> anyway, so Peyton and Morgan had been best friends since the fourth grade and known each other since kindergarten. Morgan and Anissa, on the other hand, had only become friends in the sixth grade. So clearly it was a god-awful, unholy, terrible match. It was just the worst friendship in the world. However... These two kiddos rode the school bus together and seemed to click instantly. So early into their friendship, Anissa introduced Morgan to Creepypasta. So 
guys i just need to put this out there now like i'm not trying to shame the internet and say that it's um victor surge's fault or creepy pasta's fault or anything for this kind of thing i'm just giving you the facts because i myself love creepy pasta like i love reading creepy pasta articles but anyway so anessa introduces morgan to creepy pasta more importantly she introduced morgan to the story of slender man so now when morgan saw him morgan said oh my god i think i saw slender man when i was five so immediately morgan was just like you know, there's my guy. I know this man. Anyways, soon after falling down the Slenderman rabbit hole, Morgan suggested to Anissa that they should become proxies to Slendy, as the um, the pair called him. So now a proxy, as Anissa described in her police interview, is somewhat of a loyal servant to Slenderman. So you do his bidding, and as a reward for the ultimate service, you earn a place in Slender Mansion. So what is this ultimate service, you may ask? Um, <laughs> I'm going to let Morgan explain that. So in her words from her police interview, she said, according to Anissa, oh, no, 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 this is, sorry, this is Morgan's words according to Anissa. So Anissa gave this in her police testimony. She said, we have to kill Bella to deem ourselves worthy to slender. Bum, bum, bum. Anyways. So naturally, Anissa was excited by the prospect of murdering Peyton. Peyton is known as Bella, and we'll get into that. Anyway, she was a massive believer in Slenderman, and as such would do anything to please him. And so, the pre-med plan of two 12-year-old girls began. <laughs> I can't get over that. They're 12. They're freaking 12, people. Again, now we're going to discuss Peyton. So Peyton Leitner seemed like your everyday kind of kid. She was well-mannered, friendly, and just a delight, really, from what I've read about her. Um, apart from her choice in friends, obviously, because that was just shocking, because they turned out to be super shitbags. However, um, as I mentioned, Peyton and Morgan were best friends from the fourth grade. So, um, in the fourth grade, Peyton saw Morgan sitting alone and took it upon herself to approach her. So, from there, the pair were thick as thieves. Until Anissa showed up, of course, you know, because Anissa's just a dick. <laughs> Morgan was the one who actually dubbed Peyton with the cute nickname Bella. Don't know why, but whatever, you know, Peyton Bella. And yeah, it stuck, so Peyton now goes by Bella. And at school, Morgan introduced Anissa to Peyton, and from there, the, the whole plan was hatched, basically. So now we get to the day of the attack. So... <laughs> little sorry little murderous morgan was turning 12 and to celebrate so guys they were pre-marrying this murder when they were freaking 11 like i'm stomping my feet under my desk because i'm just like who does that at 11 <laughs> i get it when i was 11 i wanted a pony not a death on my hands anyways so Little murderous Morgan was turning 12, and to celebrate, she planned a sleepover party. So there was to be roller skating, pizza, cake, and a rather unconventional addition to a 12-year-old slumber party. Murder. <laughs> so only Anissa and a, uh, and a Peyton, only Anissa and Peyton were invited to the slumber skate bonanza, and I wonder why. Anyways, so Morgan's birthday party had been planned for several weeks, and with that, their murder plan. So, hence, it's absolutely irrefutable that this wasn't a premeditated thing. 
According to Anissa, the original plan was to kill Bella that evening, put her under some blankets, make it look like she was sleeping, and then just hightail it out of there, like run like hell. However, as we all know, plans change. Life gets in the way, you know, all that kind of stuff. Morgan felt the need to give her friend one more morning. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get over how arrogant that is. Like, how very generous of you, Morgan, to deem your friend worthy of one more morning. Like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> I can't even fathom these children. They're not children. They're just weird. Like, what the hell? But anyways, so the morning comes and all three girls wake up and decide to go to the park. Well, you know, like Bella thinks that it's a spontaneous, hey, let's go to the park. But actually, the other two little asses kind of premeded that. So, however, Morgan took a weird accessory with her. She didn't take like a bowl or a, or a skipping rope or a dolly or anything. She grabbed a knife from her kitchen before they left. So, yeah. Anyways, Morgan hid the knife under her jacket and then off they went to the park. So once they got to the park, the girls went into the bathroom. Peyton thought it was for like a loo break or something. I don't know. But anyways, but the other two had different plans. So once inside, Anissa told Peyton to go to sleep. Now when Peyton wouldn't, Anissa then proceeded to bash her head against the concrete wall of the bathroom to knock her out. Because, and I quote, I don't like screaming. I can't handle that. Like, that's what Anissa says. What the fuck? If you don't like screaming, don't kill someone. Like, what? <laughs> Obviously, someone's going to scream in an attempted murder, you stupid girl. Furthermore, Anissa states that she'd heard it was easier to kill someone if they were asleep or unconscious. Ah. Uh. So it was then that Morgan began to grow somewhat of a conscious and began to freak out, stating how she couldn't go through with it. She tried to pass the knife off to Anissa, but Anissa just wouldn't take it. She wasn't interested. So at this point, the trio came out of the bathroom and the pair suggested that they play hide and seek. So I don't know why Peyton was still with them. And I'm not trying to victim blame at all. You know, maybe she just got a fright and she thought that her friends were being weird but if a friend of mine bashed my head against the wall, I would have kicked her in the face and ran like hell. You know, I'm just putting that out there. But, you know, it's easy for me to say, I would have done this, I would have done that. In that moment, you don't know what, what you're going to do. But I at least would have sworn at them. Like, crazy. But anyways. So, Anissa pulled Peyton into the woods, claiming she knew a great hiding spot. Then Morgan came to find them. And this is where things get super fucked up. But I mean like super duper ooper pooper fucked up. <laughs> so the girls were somewhere in the wood um, and they were very close to Big Bend Road. And that's where Morgan found them. So she approached the pair and suddenly overpowered Peyton. Morgan sat on Peyton's chest and said, don't be afraid. I'm only a little kitty cat. Like, what the fuck? Who says that? Who says that? Don't be afraid I'm a little kitty cat. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> As you guys can tell, this is why I do monsters. Because I like monsters. I can relate to monsters and I want to like, I don't know. I want to find monsters. I don't want to find little murder girls. Anyways, so 
Inissa, being the coward that she was, then proceeded to walk away from the scene, turn her back, and said, Morgan, now. Um, also, apparently, Anissa yelled things like, go ballistic, just stab, and those kind of good things. But anyways, Morgan sat on Peyton's legs and whispered, I'm so sorry. And then she started to stab her best friend. So Morgan proceeded to stab Peyton 19 times, 19 freaking times. And when being questioned, she said that the stabbing didn't feel like anything. It felt like air. Like, that's just so eerie. I'm just like, Ugh, you know. Anyway, so during this horrific time, poor little Peyton tried to get away. So she did manage to get up and she was like staggering towards the road. However, Anissa then decided it was like a good time for herself to step in. And she guided Peyton back towards Morgan's blade. So that's just dick. <laughs> I don't like these two. They're assholes. So once the deed was done, Morgan and Anissa told Peyton they were going to get help. Like, why would you do that? Why do you want to stab someone and then go get help for them? I don't know. Like, just oh, freaking hell, stupid girls. However, they had absolutely no intention of doing that in the slightest. So instead, the two preteen shitbags started their way to Slenderman's mansion in Nicollet National Park. So this is where things start to get awesome. And I'm, I'm not saying that sarcastically. I'm saying that like legitly because Peyton is awesome. So young Peyton didn't actually die from her wounds. And I don't know if I say this later in my notes, but it's actually a miracle that she didn't because it was found that... Um, What's that fart's name? Morgan, when she was stabbing her, she missed a major artery to Peyton's heart by a millimeter. Like, some other kind of angels were on Peyton's side that day because this little girl was such a trooper and she made it through. Like, good for her. So anyways, the poor little girl who had been left for dead in the woods by her best fucking friends managed to pull herself towards the road. So luckily, a cyclist was passing through the area at that time. And once again, how is that for fate? You know, this seeming, seemingly, <laughs> seemingly abandoned road. And this dude just decides, okay, today I'm going for a bike ride. And toddles off and passes by. And immediately he pulls over to help Peyton. And when he asked her who had done this to her, Peyton could only manage my best friend. Like, <laughs> my heart for this girl. I'm just like... <laughs> But anyways, needless to say, Peyton was quickly rushed to the hospital where her life literally hung in a tender balance. So meanwhile, back on the I-94, thing one and thing two were still making their way to the their forever home in the Nicolette National Park. However, <laughs> I just have to laugh at these two because, you know, their pre-med murder was something else, but their travel plans were really shitty. So how they thought they were going to get there, I have no idea. Because apparently, the park from where they were is a four and a half hour drive. A drive. Four and a half hour drive. And these two little farts are going to walk there. Furthermore, all they had with them was a backpack full of granola bars. I don't even have words. <laughs> You're going to walk for I don't even know how long and fuel yourself with granola bars. And what about water? Ugh, they're just doff. Like, come on, man. Anyways. Perhaps realizing her utter stupidity at this point, Morgan began to freak out mid-walk and cried out, Slender, if you're listening, please help us. And to nobody's surprise but their own, absolutely 
fuck all happened. <laughs> Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm swearing a lot in this episode. I don't usually swear in my pods, but this one just it gets under my skin because I'm like, ah, ah, silly little girls. Anyways, it wasn't long after her, um, like her slender prey that the pair were found and picked up by the police. So now we get to the questioning section. So both girls were separated and questioned extensively by officers. And it was then that they started to actually spill the beans on their Slender Man obsession. So according to Morgan, Slender Man had picked Peyton. So they hadn't they had nothing to do with that. They didn't pick Peyton, Slender did. Furthermore, both girls were heavily under the impression that if they didn't go through with the murder, Slender Man would kill their entire families. Isn't that just freaking spooky? So anyways, naturally the police searched the girls' rooms and this is where they began to pick up signs in Morgan's belongings. So she had countless drawings of Slender Man as well as a good handful of Barbie dolls, okay? Barbies who had been mutilated and had the Slender Man emblem carved on, either carved onto their abdomen or drawn on their abdomen. So like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> That's just spooky. Mm. I don't know. So anyways, obviously after the questioning had ceased and both girls had acknowledged and admitted what they had done, uh, court proceedings then began. So this was actually quite a long situation because the attack happened in 2014 and both were sentenced in 2017, so three years in the making. So even though both were still minors, the pair were tried as adults. So in 2017, we finally got the verdict. Anissa was sentenced to 25 years to life and pled guilty to the attempted second-degree homicide. She can now be found in Winnebago Mental Health Institute. As for Morgan the Stabber, she too is at Winnebago Mental Health Institute as far as I could find. So I did read like multiple news articles trying to find where she was. And I'm pretty sure that she's there at Winnebago. Um, however, her sentence is actually 40 years after pleading guilty to attempted first-degree murder. And this is where things get super freaking interesting. So I bet you're wondering why the two are in mental institutes as opposed to um, mental health institutes, sorry, as opposed to correctional facilities. So it was found that after a psych evaluation that Anissa suffered from something that is known as, um, I'm going to do my damn best to pronounce this, but anyways, schizo, uh, schizotypy. Yeah, I think it's schizotypy. So what this is, is it's a diminished ability to determine what's real and what is not real. So ever, um, however, it was concluded that she did not have characteristics of a psychopath or a sociopath. But, you know, apparently if you looked at her Google feed, it would tell you differently in her little quizzes she did. However, this was nothing on what was potting under Morgan's skull. So it came out that Morgan actually suffers with schizophrenia unspecified, oppositional defiant disorder, and asthma. I don't know why asthma was important <laughs> in the police reports, but it was found that she has asthma too. So, sorry, Morgan. But anyways, this is now where I get really, 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 really angry because I feel like her parents had a responsibility to test her. Um, and this, you know, obviously, I mean, when you have a child, your first thought isn't, oh, fuck, let me test them to see if they have like schizophrenia or something. 
But the reason I say that it was important is because Morgan's dad, Matt, is actually a schizophrenic as well. So, you know, that to me was just like, whoa. And anyway, now it's time for, I was today years old. Yay. So I was literally today years old. And guys, please, please don't take this as me being um, insensitive or anything. I'm just, I'm admitting, you know, my lack of understanding with the situation. But I was today years old when I discovered that people who suffer from schizophrenia can actually function within society. So I'm really sorry if that sounds insensitive at all. Um, I don't know a lot about schizophrenia, but I honestly thought that this disorder was something which was very severe and made people basically unable to function within day-to-day society. But nonetheless, um, you guys may think that I'm being harsh on Morgan's parents, but you know there are there are reasons that I feel anger towards them. So from an early age, as I mentioned previously in the pod, Morgan expressed visions of ghosts who would bite her and pull her hair. Furthermore, she used to see mythical creatures at school and claimed that a classmate was actually a pegasus. So if you don't know what a pegasus is, think of Hercules, it's his horse with the wings. However, her parents shrugged this off as normal childhood fears and delusions. And now, as I said previously, you know, I'm not saying that if your kid is afraid of the dark or sees a unicorn every once in a while that you should immediately rush them them off for a psych evaluation. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, when one parent is a schizophrenic and you know that, like, I feel like you have a responsibility to monitor that. And specifically... For this reason, because Morgan's mom said in the interview that she was scared that one of her kids would be schizophrenic like Matt. And if you're scared of that, then test them. If your little kid comes to you and says, I'm I'm seeing ghosts, get her tested. You know, so I'm just saying, perhaps with proper uh, treatment, Morgan would never have fallen prey to Slenderman's grips. Because to Morgan, Slenderman was 150 billion percent real. You know, she truly truly believed that Slenderman was real. But anyways, that's just my little anger at this. So now we get to the story of dear Peyton. So after six days of very touch-and-go health in her local hospital, Peyton managed to make a full recovery. So yes, yay, good on you, Peyton, you little freaking G. So in a later interview with ABC News, literally five years later on, to be exact, Peyton said that she initially didn't feel anything because her body was in shock. So, yes, that's so lucky because I can't even imagine what it... I can't even think about that. But, However, she now has to live with the mental wounds on a daily basis of her friends doing this to her. So, Peyton, yeah, thank you, goodness, thank you, universe, this little freaking trooper of a chick pulled through and she's okay now obviously apart from the mental stuff and whatever which shame she must be struggling so heavily i can't even begin to imagine that like this poor girl but anyway so what does abby think the monster is i bet you guys didn't think i was gonna do this in this episode but i am so hey (laughs) yo so um anyways I've got a reason for doing this. So quite honestly, I believe that Slender Man is real. But not in the sense that one would think. 
So I don't believe that he's actually a living, breathing, physical creature with no face. You know, I don't think that thing is doing the rounds. But I do think that he's a creation of group consciousness. I truly believe that. We've cultivated this thing that is so real and has such an intricate backstory and is so prevalent in so many people's lives that I do believe that he exists in, you know, one plane or another. So, to date, Slenderman has actually compiled three known attacks. So, this is obviously the biggest one. Um, then there was another one, I think in 2015, where a little girl threatened her mom with a knife in the kitchen because Slenderman told her to. And then there was a third one with a guy, an actual adult man, who attacked people under duress of a Slenderman. But yeah, guys, so... As I said earlier, I am by no means, no means, no means blaming this on the internet at all. Um, I'm not one of those people who think that, you know, by listening to a metal song, you'll open fire on the school or something. I'm not, I don't believe that. Um, but, you know, to some people out there, Slenderman is real and he's relatable and he's their person. Um, the myth and the legend has become such a massive part of pop culture and he is, in a sense, a living being. Because isn't that how all monsters begin? With a story and a belief. Just putting that out there. But yeah, anyways, kiddos, if you want to disagree with me about Slenderman, or if you want to shout at me, or if you just want to chat to me and be nice, <laughs> you can do so during the week. And you can get a hold of me on Instagram, which is meet underscore my underscore monsters. You can hit me up on Twitter, which is meet monsters. You can send me a Gmail, which I spelt Gimel, because <laughs> oh, I was typing so fast. Anyways, and that's meetmymonsterspotty, P-O-D-D-Y, at gmail.com. Or you can go check out the site, which is meetmymonsters.com. But anyways, guys, it's been a hoot and a hole, and I look forward to seeing you again on Sunday, where we'll be doing another weird episode. And if you guys like this, if you like the, the monsters we've created, then hit me up, and I'm going to, you know... I'll start doing more of them. So a lot of people have actually been influenced by monsters that we have made. And I found it really, really interesting. So yeah, drop me a line. Let me know if you like this. If you thought it was rubbish, don't drop me a line. Just be nice. <laughs> but yeah, guys, I'll catch you on Sunday. And bye. <laughs>